imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. science thing right indeed 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 it is it is a science thing it is a science place it's a scientific fact that we're all up in your face it is time once again for the one the only protonic reversal welcome to it welcome to it and also welcome to it Okay, whether it's your first time listening to this show or if you're a long-time listener, this is episode 263 of Conan Neutron's Proton Reversal. Conan Neutron's Proton Reversal is a long-running podcast about music and musicians. All the archives are at ProtonCoverversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash Reversal. If you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All of that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. Very special guest tonight, old old friend and compatriot, scene mate, if you will, from uh, back in the day, talented musician, Totemoshi Allsouls proprietor of the east side rehearsal spaces uh and general awesome dude tony aguilar man welcome to the show dude it's been a been a minute going on? it's been it's, see, man it's been a pre it's been a post-covid pre-covid post-covid minute it's <laughs> trying yeah. to think how long it's been a leap uh, a leap year or maybe two maybe yeah. three who knows yeah it, it feels like it's something where it's like oh you could say it was a week ago and that'd be fine you could say it was like two years ago and that would be fine too and it's like okay yep well, one of those is probably close in my there. pajamas ever since <laughs> <laughs> how's that how's that covid life been treating you i mean uh also's had some pretty heavy tour business going on uh for a while you know you had you had some that big those bigger tours with jesus lizard i mean you played with melvin's tool like you were just hitting it hard and to have just you know, not that everyone didn't have this, but have like the brakes slammed on like immediately with a global pandemic. It's got to be kind of existential whiplash, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, it was like a semi-retirement, right, for everybody. <laughs> yes. Certainly was for me. I, I, I kind of, I, I liked the the retirement aspect of it. I didn't like the uh, not playing music aspect of it. Yeah. I planned to do for retirement, but well, you know, and into it. Because it, it and it also because it just occurs to me because I've known you for so long and have um, you know, followed along with all your bands for so long that you're, I think it's fair to say you're a lifer at this point, right? I mean, it's, yeah, <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> I like think a lot the of ones that are left. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's pretty much. Yeah, this is what we do. At, at a certain <laughs> point, you got records <laughs> and we lose money. 
<laughs> I think at a certain point you just kind of look around, yeah, and be like, well, uh, I guess it's us, huh? <laughs> Okay, yeah. we're doing the thing. We're either extremely passionate or extremely narcissistic. <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> well, but it occurs to me that uh, after years and years of Totemoshi, which is like, you know, a trusted brand and heavy music entertainment, you know, kind of, kind of uh, known to the people that know sort of band. Yes. Uh, <laughs> hundreds, hundreds. Hundreds of people know us. Literally dozens of people. <laughs> Uh, that you cut, you got you and Meg kind of dug deep and tried something a little different and went in a little bit of a different direction with All Souls. Because I mean, for me, All Souls also kind of treads not this just that territory, but like the whole gamut of of, of, of rock music. Like I mean, I think there's, there's like so, there's you know there's like some a, a couple songs you have where I'm like, oh, that's kind of like a David Gilmour kind of deal there that's awesome yeah like you know it's it, it, it doesn't seem like it's as chained to the aesthetic of um you know the certain amount of underground like heavy weird noise rock music whatever the sandhill somebody wants to call it and kind of it has got a slightly different identity it keeps coming from the outset was it was it something where it like it didn't seem like it, it always seemed like it was you and meg and who was it this year uh for totemoshi right. Uh, for the longest time, but w- was the idea to kind of restructure and try something different, or was it just because of the different people? Because you had Tony Torn. Yeah, it, it, it was very conscious. I mean, we we we. I wanted I, I wanted to do something melodic when I was in, more melodic when I was in Tony Mushy, but um, we just never got around to it. And then with All Souls, we we all sat down. And we we're all friends, and we actually like literally discussed what we wanted to do. And I think I think the biggest difference is that. There was a there was a couple bands in between Toti Moshi and All Souls, and one was a band called Alma Sangre that me and Meg did, and I sang in Spanish, and I sang very emotive. Like it's kind of like um, one of my favorite singers is this lady named Chavela Vargas, who's a mm-hmm. she was a ranchera singer, and she's like the to me like the 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 she's like the 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 the, the hub of what ranchero music should be, and that it's rather than it turned into mariachi and it's all orchestrated and it's like this giant bombastic thing she always did it acoustically with two or three instruments it's very haunting and it's very like dark and beautiful and spiritual and and i started wanting to sing like her and in alma sangre like i literally tried to sing like her and then i realized that you know, with Tori moshi oftentimes and i think it's the case with guitar driven music is the guitar tends to drive it all and it tends to like yeah. sort of tell the music where to go you know it was a sense of as opposed to the, the the vocals telling the music where to go. And I think with Alma Sangre, it was like, I started to change. And then with All Souls, you know, it was a very conscious thing where like, I don't want the guitars telling the voice where to go. I want the voice to decide where it's going to sonically go from here to there. So it started being like where I would take like a riff, either one of my riffs or one of Eric Eric's riffs when, she, when he was in the band or... Now it's some of Matt's stuff or some of Tony's riffs because Tony writes too. Tony writes uh, guitar riffs, and I'll take those and then so then I'll lead it with the vocal, as opposed to the guitars letting it do it. Well, yeah. and, they, and they hit differently, which isn't to say that All Souls doesn't have like you know huge riffs or anything along those lines. Of course you do, but like it definitely oh, yeah. it's it's very clear that the way the songs are are put together, like the approach seems like it's coming from it from a different place. So that makes much more sense to. You know, Tony Moshi was was very much uh, n- not that you guys were <coughs> just had the one speed, but definitely much like a bludgeoning force of 
you know, yeah. badass we were like, younger. guitar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had more angst then. <laughs> more full of piss and vinegar. Uh, no idea what you're talking about, sir. <laughs> but it's very clear that like it, you were uh oh man that you're exploring different kinds of stuff and since you're exploring different kinds of stuff uh you were what just happened there okay it's very clear okay there we go okay <laughs> recording in progress yeah yeah i yeah. am that's uh okay okay cool uh, so yeah, it's very clear you were exploring different kinds of stuff, right? Like you, you were, you were. It allowed you the ability to express yourself with Chody Moshi. Well, well, you know, you know, with Chody Moshi, with, I, I fell into a giant, a giant hole, as the sort, and that, and that, and that, I, I didn't really want to sound like anybody, and 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 I ended. I mean, I ended up sounding like a bunch of different people, but um, I, I. I came up with my own guitar tuning, and I had to reteach yeah. myself how to play guitar because I wanted to do that. So I tuned down to a B and then just came up with this complete open tuning, which I'd been doing forever because when I was a kid, I played mostly blues stuff and, and kind of bluegrass type stuff. So um, I ended up having to reteach myself to do scales. I had to teach myself how to do solos with that stuff, but it allowed me to be, the, since I was this, the only guitar player in the band, it allowed me to do like like kind of like an, an under an under rhythm all the time as I was doing things above it. But then I kind of fell into that hole because I ended up writing just for the sake of, for 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 the sake of, of 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 it being easy when we were playing live. I ended up writing all the songs in that exact same tuning. So it just kind of like, it was like a, a kind of a period piece, you know. Well, because you you don't have an army of people with guitars that they can hand you. No. For like, oh, here it's this one. You, know, you don't have like a Rick <laughs> Nielsen us. caddy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it must be nice for that dude or Sonic Youth or whatever. But uh, sure. It, but it makes sense. But you had a very unique. Uh, the band had a unique identity. A unique identity, and uh, one. I'm glad you mentioned the sort of like like the things you do where, where it's almost. And, and I always attributed the first um, the first band I heard do it was uh, Greg Sage in the Wipers would do that kind of thing. Where oh yeah, like playing He's almost great. almost had like kind of like two different. And kind of distinct parts going on the guitar at the same time, but which of course fills up a lot of space. It fills up a lot of space in the song, uh, and it sounds yeah. and it sounds awesome. But yeah, it, it it is something. It's it's. So what's the downside of having a sound? Well, you have a sound. And, yeah, and people are gonna come to ex- expect that, and they're gonna come to associate that sound with you. Cool. That's awesome, but if you're trying to, you know, grow as a musician, because you put out quite a few records, and they're all fantastic, but I, I just think about um, uh, uh, Manoli, right? Uh, that that's one I was, I was like, oh, they're like this one. There's some pop hooks on this. There's some like things that are happening here that like I would not have expected that of Totemoshi at like what album six. Or yeah, seven or something along those lines. Like I was, like I was just excited for it. I think I was always a pop person. I mean, I was just hiding behind the heavy, the anger. I think of of youth, and then not <laughs> wanting to kind of let that that sweetness out. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I mean, my favorite things. I mean, my favorite. I I I I was into the '50s stuff as a child, and then I was into. You know, I was I was into I was into like ELO. I was into to, to Paul McCartney's solo stuff, and I was into to you know the the Wings and stuff like that. Like I was I grew up on that stuff, and I 
I just loved it. And I loved the Beach Boys. And I was afraid to tell people that I loved the Beach Boys when I was a kid because people would call me. Like, what? Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, things that, <laughs> the, kind, the kind of names that kids call people <laughs> that we will not, we don't need to repeat here. Uh, yeah. No, that sucks. Yeah. All right. Yeah, fine, whatever. It's, yeah, the Beatles suck. Sure. Okay. Whatever, dude. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't right not allowed to extend a melody past one measure yeah exactly if, if it isn't blast beats i don't want to know from it uh so what so when you so that's a good example though like when when you were kind of coming up like before you started because i don't know much of totemoshi's early history just that um you guys were like a, around and doing it kind of the same time like i started it and i was like oh that band's interesting yeah. cool uh did you have any thoughts towards like, yeah, this is the thing I want to do. This, this is, this is something that's important. No, we, we didn't plan it in any sort of way. In fact, what had happened is I, I couldn't, I started writing weird. I didn't realize I was writing them six a lot. And I, I didn't realize that. And I think it goes back to when I was a kid listening to Tigres del Norte and all the mariachi music that I grew up on from, from, uh, you know, being a Chicano kid in California. Yeah. And, Oh, working in the fields and stuff. And, and I think that all that music just sort of stuck in my brain. And and so I started writing music and, and I couldn't find anybody to play music with. And I, I tried all these different people out. Nobody really, either they didn't like it or they just thought it was too strange. And so, hmm. and I, me and Meg started dating and I started showing Meg some of the stuff and she always wanted to play bass. And so because she's a dancer, she's she's got really she's got really real good, good rhythm. rhythm. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> she was able to apply it, and she she knew the rhythms that I was doing. She understood them, you know. And then um, she was able to pick the bass up really well. Because I think, in essence, a drum a bass player is basically a drummer, you know. And she she's definitely has that that rhythmic sense. So it was just that's when we started writing that stuff, and we we didn't know what we were doing. We just started writing, you know, whatever. I had never written songs. I was excited to do it. I was. I, I used to want to be a, a writer. I used to write short stories when I was a kid, and I used to write poetry and stuff. And, um, you know, I always played guitar. I played for like six to eight hours a day or something like that. So I was Jeez. always. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah. Were you like playing scales or what? Or or, or yeah, it would be. It would be. It would be mostly. It would be like like finger exercises to begin, and then scales. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then I would try to do uh, uh, solos and learn solos and stuff. And then I would, I would do a lot of improvisation. Like I said, it was a lot of open chord stuff with, yeah. with blues type stuff. So I, and I can still do that that stuff. Like I can play the shit out of a banjo. Like if I pick it up, like people are pretty surprised that I can play the shit out of a banjo. <laughs> like, whoa, Tony's shredding the banjo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when we started doing it, man, I had, I, I, had, I, I grew up in a house, luckily enough, with an older brother that was an artist. He was a really good painter and he was very into art and literature. And, you know, we were poor as fuck. We, there were, I think at one point there were nine of us living, I grew up in a 700 foot house Oof. and there were nine of us living in there. Ooh. And uh, so there wasn't a lot of time to ourselves, but then after my parents got divorced and, you know, we, we, uh, he, he really he really took to art and, and he, introduced me to a lot of cool music and a lot of cool artists and stuff. And I got very into it. And, and we if we weren't playing chess or if then he was either drawing or I was playing guitar, you know? 
So not a lot of privacy when you when you're packed in that tight too. I mean, no, no <laughs> place to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, dude, we had no doors. Our bathroom had was wasn't a, even a door. It was a blanket on two nails. Then you had to take take part of it off and, and yeah. open it up in order to go in the bathroom and then close it. And then when you'd hear somebody walking up, you'd go, "I'm in here." <laughs> oh man, yeah, yeah. That specifically wasn't what I was going for, but yeah, hundred yeah. percent true. Yeah, sure, yeah. Eventually, I had my own room. It was the washroom in the far back, and it was uh, uh, there were no there were no windows. It were just screens, and when it would snow, I would take sheets and I would very tightly like put them across the screens, and then I would detach the heater uh, valve and turn the heater on so that it would heat the room up. So, That's crazy. It, it was dude. my own room. That's crazy. So so then. Did you, did anyone else in the family play music? Really? Did you come from? Uh, yeah, my little brother. He's, he was a professional mariachi for a little while. He's really good. He's like, he could do all the Ingve stuff, oh, all the, the Slayer stuff. And I went more the Hendrix route. Um, that was more in Hendrix. But he, uh, he can, he's like incredible. He's like an, just a, an amazing, amazing musician. That's awesome. Really good. Yeah. So then you were, so you started in with Meg. And she's she's got the rhythm. It, it's 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 something that uh, you know you 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 two are like almost a gestalt entity musically. Like it's it's difficult to. And of course, I have heard you guys play with with other folks, but it's like oh yeah, they just they work so well together. They're just like a, a an iconic duo, if you will. Name yeah. name one. Yeah, uh, I do a lot too. <laughs> when it comes to music. But, yeah, no, we, we, we get a lot of work done. That's for sure. The uh, but when, when I think of Totemoshi, I think of like the many the many eras and epochs of Totemoshi, and that third slot. There was a, there was a lot of folks in in the drum slots over the years, and they always were awesome. Yeah. But there was a lot of different <laughs> of, of different drummers. And we we mostly stayed friends with. Well, we stayed friends with most of them. Some of them we we are no longer friends with. But yeah, yeah, there was a lot. It was a lot. I think it's hard for people to be in a band when they realize that they're not really going to write a lot for the band. Um, and and I admit that that I probably hogged a little too much of the 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 songwriting um, with Toadie Mushy. Um, with All Souls, I'm definitely we're sharing a lot more. It's definitely more of like a united combination of of different you know different artistic views coming together. But yeah, with Tony Moshi, I tended to hog it quite a bit. And a lot of it too was that Meg was still learning how to play bass. So I felt that I sort of had to take that on. Right. But you know, she's, she's become quite a bass player and, and she's, she's always been a really good visionary as far as like, you know, art is concerned, like where, where we should go and sound like and stuff like that, you know? Well, and so then do you think the different, lineup changes over the years informed the sound like when you were thinking about writing songs were you writing to yeah like your own the views drummer. okay well yeah because... i mean there's a i mean obviously like we've all been in bands like or the people that have been in bands like uh there's there's whatever the drummer can do if you have a if you have a drummer that can do anything like i have right now with tournay yeah. you know i know i can try anything i can try i can throw anything at that guy yeah. and he'll eventually he might not get it the first day. He might not get it the second day. But a week later, he'll have something that's just amazing, you know, phenomenal. So when you have that type of drummer, you know, the the the, the world is open. 
when, when you have a drummer that's very basic and very straightforward and you know can only do certain beats and and you know you can only do so much right you can't you can't expect them to be del cover or, or keith moon or, or you know yeah. John Henry Bonham. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to try to punch above your your weight class. Uh, yeah, you, you want to make sure you're playing to everyone's strengths. You know, sure. Well, and and yeah, Torday is a good example because he's able to do the more kind of complicated proggy stuff, uh, but he's yeah. also a good hard hitting rock drummer, and he has a good feel. And that that's a yeah. That's, he that's can nice. hit that pocket if he wants, or he can get outside of it. Yeah, you know, and that's what I loved about him. And I always kind of. I try to push him a lot to get outside of the pocket stuff. Um, um, and then that's when he comes back to the pocket, it's just so epic. Yeah. Yeah. Like Cause the, cause, cause, cause it's kind of like almost going in and out kind of, uh, um, ah, yeah, God, there's something I'm, I'm trying to, yeah, he's, he's really good at that. And then, and then there's, there, you know, there's, there's, there's Trammel, you know, Trammel when he was in the band, he, he, he quit a year ago now, a year and a half ago. Um, but I mean, that guy was epic. He was an amazing guitar player, great musician, you know. And the same thing, where like anything that any any weird chord changes that that we threw at him or anything he threw at us, we would be able to handle it. Yeah, it's most no problem. I, I feel like most people kind of that know Eric either know him from your band or from Black Elk, uh, w- yeah. which is great. I I first knew him from Wadsworth, where you know. Yeah, me too. It was, it was... I first met <laughs> Yeah, this this the stuff that that band did was just like you know insane, like this insane like super like super prog uh, <laughs> explorations where it's like oh yeah that that dude can sure play all right, <laughs> like, yeah. that, that dude can play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a player and a half man. Yeah, did you? So that's it. it kind of seemed like well, I guess in in COVID times, there's not really you know people. Who, Hey, we made a big announcement about our band. Great. There's, you know, 20,000 more people got infected <laughs> with a deadly virus yesterday. Who gives a damn? Uh, but was was that amicable the, with Eric leaving? Yeah, it was. I mean, we're 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 friends to the end, man. Like like he he wanted to move on. He he couldn't see himself being in a band anymore because of I think the COVID thing made him reassess his life. Probably made a lot of people do that, and and where we, the three of us, me, Meg, and and Tony, Tornay, were of the opposite opinion, where we didn't want to stop. We were in the, I think there was a there was a point that went by where we were literally in the studio every single day. So we went crazy as far as, you know, I, I guess I guess that happens during COVID, right? Where you're like, well, this, these might be the last days of my life. So you're kind of reassessing and just like figuring what's what's really important to me, and I think that our decision was that yeah, what's important to us is that we want to make music. We want to we want to, that's our legacy and that's what we want to leave. And so we were in the studio, and then Eric decided that he didn't want to be there. And uh, I think I think that it was easier for Tony and Meg to make the decision to to uh, split ways with Eric. You know, Eric Eric told us that he was leaving, and I didn't want to accept it. It was hard for me. It yeah. him I, I had lunch with him, and I tried to convince him to come back because I mostly I really loved what we made together. You know, I it was loved pretty him unique. as a person. But I mean, ultimately, um, I finally realized that he just didn't want to do it anymore. So it was hard. It's hard for me. It was hard for me. But then now we have Matt Price in the band, who's in, uh, he's the guitar player in Behold the Monolith. Um, I think he's the main songwriter in that band. He's 
fucking epic, amazing musician, and he's just an absolute joy to be around. So we've actually found, I think we found the right person that's you know, awesome. to, to go forward with. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's a, that situation where you're, you're not necessarily trying to fill shoes. You're, you're, you're just deciding how best to move forward because it's not, no, no one's going to play like Eric. Eric's a very unique guy, you know? So he's unique. He's, he's unique. And in in, in, you know, what's, what's, what's strange is this, is that, is that the, the role that Eric filled was the, the, uh, the educated role of the, the sort of erudite musical role was, was that he, he knows, he knows theory. He understands right. the ins and outs of, 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 of chords and progressions and, and scales. And, and he plays outside of, of, of the pocket, which I don't, I play in the pocket like a, like a, you know, like a Motown player or like a Hendrix type player. Yeah, yeah. Um, Eric played like a metal player, which is always outside and just, just, just fucking all over the place as far as time is concerned. And Matt is in a lot of ways, the same kind of guitar animal where he's, he's, he's able to transcend the pocket time and, and get outside of it and do all the crazy solos that Eric would do. Um, I mean, he's created his own that are just epic. And then, and, and then he is a theory guy. He's a music teacher and, you know, he understands that part. So he kind of, he kind of brings that same thing that Eric had into the band, you know, so we don't lose, we haven't really lost a step as far as that is concerned. Cause I think the three of us just kind of feel it out. Me, Meg and Tony are just kind of more yeah. players and, and, and not to say that Matt isn't, he is, but he's, he's, he's also, he's also educated. Yeah. Cause you're, you're mostly a self-taught guy as far Completely. as I, yeah. <laughs> like Completely. you've, I mean, I, th- I think we talked about this once. It's like, yeah, every once in a while you'll, you'll like figure out some advanced music theory thing, but like, Oh, that's what that is. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where you just have yeah, no idea I, I what it's still, called. I still watch videos for like tricks or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah, like totally. like songwriting tricks to go, you know, go here, go there. You know, using the circle of fists or something like that. And yeah. It's really interesting to me. I find it interesting, but I've never, I, in, early on, I never had the the money. My, you know, my family didn't have the money, and I didn't have the time to. In between the six hours that I was doing a day, <laughs> I didn't have the time to learn theory. So <laughs> far too busy playing these riffs to learn any theory right now. I'm sorry. You're too busy. <laughs> I just I have no time for this right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get that out of my face. No, but that but that combination of of the more kind of academic uh, music theory stuff and and the field playing that can lead to some interesting results some some kind of yeah. stuff that neither side maybe would have thought of you know what, yeah absolutely i mean eric would eric would go places that i i would have never thought to go but now i go there now I, now i be from playing with him now there are there are places where i'll i'll do like a, a chord from here to there you know using like whatever strange scale that he was using yeah and and it's become second language to me now. You know, it's no problem doing that. And then, you know, I mean, it's the same thing. We just learn from from each other, right? Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. And eventually we'll <laughs> turn it into a whole new tongue. Turn it into your own thing. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, that's the that's the point of it. Uh, so, so take it back a little bit. Let's let's go back to Totomoshi and talk about uh, when you started doing stuff with uh, Volcom. So that was. Um... 
like 2006 or so, like around those like, like mid 2000s. I think so. I, I'm really bad with dates. Uh, well, that was, was the, during. There was the one after Manoli. That was a Ladron. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which that's that's the one that I want to say the first the first time you worked with Paige. Yeah. Right. Wait, is it? Yeah, it is the first time. Yeah. Wait. No. Uh, no, Paige actually worked with us on the album after that. Like, no. 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 Yeah, you're right. Bill Grosso. Ladron was the first record that so what had happened is is we were um we were being booked by peter davis um creature oh, booking sure yeah and peter used to book helmet like back in the old days and he sends all of the new bands that he picks up he sends them to old friends of his from the amrep days and page got a page got mona lee and really loved it and is that how you say it i haven't been mispronouncing that for like 18 years mona oh lee? yeah mona lee it's it's a spanish translation of monolith which is the town that I was born in. I've been uh, saying Manoli for, I think, 17 years now. Oh, really? My bad. Yeah, Manoli. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, it was um, that song is. You know, Manoli, you know, playing from that one? You playing songs from that one there? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. Sorry. Well, yep. better um, to tell someone to listen to something and mispronounce the album title than not, I think. Right? It's a, anyway, sorry. It's a, I mean, I expect people to mispronounce it because it's all weird Spanish. I took German, Spanish. which is like the stupidest thing to do when you grew up in California, but I I took German. So, real useful. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I can I can order in a German restaurant. That's the only thing. And I know all the swear words. Or you can order people around in German. Oh, I can order people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, that's nine. <laughs> I am a band leader. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, having nothing to do with the pronunciation of, of that. Uh, so Paige comes in on Ladrone. Yeah. So yeah. So we did that tour with them. We did like fifteen dates or two, two and a half or three weeks with them, and that was like the new rendition with Tempesta in the band and, uh, yeah. and Frank Bello on bass. Super fun tour. And then after, at the like the very end of the tour, I asked Paige if he would produce our next record, and he said yes. And so, um, uh, when we thought we thought we were going to put it out, well, wait, I can't remember how it worked. Um, we paid for it ourselves and paid Paige out of pocket, and um, and then Volcom picked it up, and I believe that's how it happened. I wish Mary were here because she knows she remembers things better than She's I the do. artificial memory of, of, of the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I pissed mine all away. Yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, and, and and that was the first time working with Paige, which was the first time working with a producer, period. It was quite a learning experience, man. Um he's he's a he's a uh, uh talk about German. Um <laughs> 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 he's quite Ayo. the he's quite the whip. Um, <laughs> no, but it was cool. I mean, he's got a very he's got a very certain way of writing, and 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 he he has expectations, and he's very uh, vocal about the expectations. Yeah, he does, doesn't seem like a dude's gonna mince words for sure. No, he certainly doesn't. You know, and it was hard. I for me, like I had a lot of hell of a lot of ego swallowing, to, you know, doing happening in those days. But it was good for me as a musician. I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean, is, is that something where you just got to like make the make the conscious effort to to like, all right, just remember, we're all trying to do the same yeah. thing here. Don't be pissed off if you don't take it personally. <laughs> yeah, and he's a good guy, man. I mean, I'd seen him recently, and 
and he was we were talking about the All Souls thing, and it was because Tempesta got us back in touch. Um, Tempesta was like a big fan of of uh, a couple of the songs that he'd heard from All Souls, and shared them with Paige. And Paige was like, you know, I always believed in your songwriting. It was like, oh, just an absolutely beautiful thing to say. You know, I, uh, yeah, almost. I almost broke down. Almost. <laughs> Hangover but Hamilton. I, I really love that guy. He's a he's a he's a sweet guy, and I I learned a lot from him. You know. Yeah. I mean, he like I said, he was hard on me, but but I think it was good. It was it was a good uh, uh, a good hard lesson to learn. Came out stronger on the other side. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the things he taught me, the little little tricks and stuff about songwriting were were awesome. You know, how many people? You know, I mean, not a lot of us get get to have people like that take us under their wing and yeah teach us things you know yeah so yeah. and then it's we good did idea that, song, listen. Uh, that album and then we did um uh milagrosa with him yeah. which is the next record and then part of avenger with him like uh i think like three or four songs on avenger it was like half with him and half with uh toshi or uh, half I with him I... and yeah and, and half with tosh and yeah but uh, yeah, toshi's production is, is very different than page and it Toshi's very hands off. Yeah. Toshi's just like, oh, I think you could do better. Yeah. Uh, Whereas mm, okay. Paige is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> is that even music? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was. Um, starting to have my doubts myself, actually. But you mentioned it, but okay. <laughs> So that so that time period that um, Ladrone to, to uh, Milgrosa to Avenger, it kind of to me, uh, and again coming out from the outside, that just kind of seemed like this long years of, of you know working it and 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 being a band and putting yeah. in the work. We're finally starting to on some small level pay off. You were getting some bigger shows, some more attention. I mean the Volcom thing. It's hard to explain for the younger audience. There was this thing called Volcom Entertainment. Uh, that that was a big deal. That was a like for like a year or two. It was like that was the thing. It was like, oh, it's Volcom. Oh, Volcom's doing music. That's awesome. Uh, did any of that track on the inside? Because I didn't know who they were when they contacted us. Really? Honestly. Okay. Yeah, right. we were on Crucial Blast at the time, and 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 all I knew was somebody told me that oh yeah, they're like a T-shirt company or something. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, oh okay, well they just offered us some money. I mean, to me, to me, what it was, what, what, what it allowed us is a budget. Um, uh, cause ultimately I, I, after, over the course of time, I kind of realized that, that really what they were more about were not promoting bands as far as promoting their line, you know, the Volcom line. Yeah. I mean, I mean, case in point, like the, 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 the week our, the week Milagrosa came out after they had given us a pretty, a pretty good budget and we'd made the album when we'd submitted it to them. Um, got an approval and everything was ready to go. You know, everything was pressed and ready. And the week, the week that it came out, they were, they were, they were, uh, 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 part of a motorhead tour. It was called, they were calling it a Volcom tour. And they didn't, they didn't invite us to do one single show. They, they, they gave it to, you know, a couple of the other bands that were on the roster that were all the skateboard buddies of them. And mm. they got to do all these shows and none of them had records coming out at the same time. And we were really the only heavy band. There were all these like fucking pop punk bands yeah. doing a show with Motorhead. And we're like this heavy band that like is sitting on the sidelines and they're, they, and then they keep going, well, what do you guys got going on? And then, 
And then, you know, we did the Melvin stuff and then we got to do a tour with Mastodon because, because Mastodon invited us. Um, but not because, Volcom, not because Volcom did the we work. Asked him, <laughs> yeah. We asked them for tour support and they were like, well, we don't have any money for you. So we're like, oh, okay, so we had to figure it out. So we figured it, we did it with credit cards because it was in Europe. You know, yeah. you do a European tour, you're 10 grand in debt before you even get, get across seas. Yeah, before you play the so first we note. Did it <laughs> based on faith and we get over there and then we find out that Volcom has paid 10 grand to buy in and turn the Todi Moshi Mastodon tour into a Volcom tour. And, and, you know, it just kind of like, it just kind of like bummed us out a little bit. And we just kind of realized that they're just really more about promoting their line of clothing than they were about actually like giving a shit about the bands that were on their label. So, I mean, whether or not it was a mistake, I don't, I don't think so because they gave us money to make art and we got to make it. Yeah. You know, who knows if we would have made as many albums had it not been for them, you know, and, 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 it's I, I'll take it, you know? Yeah. Cause like I say, at this point, all I'm doing at this point in my life, you know, I'm, I'm older and all I'm seeing is it as, as a legacy. You know, I'm not seeing is it as a, what I needed at the time was to be a giant rock star or something. I just wanted, I want to leave something, you know? Well, and, and, and Bill Grosso was a, that's a, <clears throat> in the Toadie Moshi Pantheon, that's a very interesting record. That's the one that has, you know, it's like, uh, if I remember, it's like based in like, a, um, at least partially like in folklore, and stuff right like like it's a heavy it's, yeah, there, there's, yeah there's there's like a narrative like it's it's art you know it's not like hey y'all here's the here's, remember the songs yeah. you like from us here you go you know, every record <laughs> is based on a narrative like that and yeah. then that's the thing is that it's and oftentimes it's, it's funny because like i look back on it and i think like you know a lot of a lot of it i mean milagrosa itself was a was a cuban it was a cuban it was a story from when when meg and i had gone to havana to visit her grandmother and we had gone to this beautiful uh, uh cemetery there that's in havana and there's the, this lady called the milagrosa and what it was is she was buried she she passed away pregnant and and the doc, the 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 doctor pronounced the the baby is stillborn so they buried them together she was still in the womb and when they when they opened the the tomb to move to move the bones years later which is what they do there uh the baby was at her at her or Breast, suckling or in a position and her hands oh, wow. were around the baby so they called that the milagrosa they called it the miracle so or, or the lady of the miracle so um you know that that was that was that was the folklore behind that and then you know most of the songs on there i mean and i think back on a lot of the lyrics a lot of it are like a lot of chicano kind of you know they're they're, they're chicano points of view and chicano perspectives that are very like they have to do with with points of view from a working class kid in a, in a, in a yeah. you know in a Chicano kind of uh, upbringing, and I mean I can I can see why we didn't hit with a lot of people. You know we didn't. I got shit from people for being political as well when I was you know younger, like some of the dudes from from High on Fire like giving me shit for stuff like that. But you know like if you if you grow up poor with nothing and and you grow up with a father that grew up during Jim Crow you know you tend to be political political minded yeah i mean it's you you, know? you you don't really get a choice in the matter <laughs> it's, it's, as it turns out yeah. yeah if you're beaten if you're beaten then <laughs> you know then your perspective is going to be from a guy who's been beaten in the head so I, I mean not not to do the thing where i tell a story about myself but it's like you know I, I grew up in the central valley and it's like i learned all about you know uh casual sexism casual casual yeah. racism mostly against mexicans firsthand where I, and i was like i was like this is 
not anything I need to be around and I can't change this. So I'm going to get as far away as I can from it. Yeah. And it was so pervasive that it was like water for some of these folks. And so it always occurred to me that you, you know, all the, all the songs, all the, all the Tonemoshi stuff, like it, it comes from that place and very unapologetically from that place, but not like overtly, just like, this is, this is where I'm coming from. And especially for yeah. whatever reason, in like, you know, quote unquote. Heavy I just music. wasn't afraid to write or whatever. Like, I mean, Keith Morris, we sent it to V2 one time. I can't remember which record. I think it was La Drone. And we sent it to him and, and, he, and he turned it down. And he, But he, he, he called me <laughs> rather than sending yeah. me a letter saying, hey, man, we're not into it. He literally called me on the phone. Hey, and he goes, hey listen, <laughs> I listened to the record and, and it, it just didn't move me. And I thought to myself, well, why the fuck would it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're a kid from a fucking suburb somewhere in like, what, like Orange yeah. County where he's from. Yeah. Like, dude, dude, we're, we're so different. Like, why in the fuck would, would anything that I say hit you in, a, in the way yeah. that it hits me? But yeah, there's there's one song called uh, Vader. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's one of my favorites. Of that's, you, of that song's about, it's it's from a priest's perspective of, 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 of basically taking a child and raping him. You know, and it was during the time that it was during the time that the, that the Catholic Church was basically, you know, that priests were 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 raping kids left and right and fucking yeah. abusing children, and so, you know, I decided to do a song from the priest's perspective. Like, why not? You know, it's 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 the it's it's the sort of it's, it's the idea of of taking on the killer's eye and creating with it and, the voice and, of the and, monster. Yeah. Yeah, where it's not yeah. like this is my lived experience, and I am speaking authoritatively in first person perspective, but like the the allegory and the um, the murder, <laughs> the murder <Yeah>. ballad <laughs> kind of aspect, yeah. murder <laughs> riffs. I don't know, like what the what the book would be, but, uh, from from the grand yeah. tradition since done since you know the all the way back to the, the blues and before. Sure, absolutely, certainly. It's it's poetry. That's what poets do, and that's what that's what I always read when when I read, you know, poetry when I was growing up was was, you know, you take the take the fucking psycho's perspective, and then you give it to give it to the give it to people to really get to, and it's it's a slap in the fucking face, man. And that's what art's supposed to be, right? It's not supposed to be a sloth little little feather tickle across your ass. It's supposed to be a slap <laughs> across the mouth. Well, I'm, <laughs> think about actors, right? It's way more fun to play the villain than it is to play the sure. hero. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like why, who remembers, you know, you know, the, the, these, these, these bullshitters, like, like, uh, uh, you know, these guys like fucking Bing Crosby who are like yeah. playing the sweet guy on fucking blah, 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 dancing all over the fucking place and then going home beating the shit out of his son. Yeah. Or beating his children. Meanwhile, Robert fucking... Mitchum fucking Night of the Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> oh, who, 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 you're right. That haunts your dreams, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, you had David on here. David's such a good actor. David Yao. Yeah, yeah. You know, is. he's playing that villain very well. I fucking love that. He's, he's, he's got the, uh, well, and, and, and like, he's got what I think a lot of character actors that are successful have, which is that he's deeply thoughtful about it Yeah. too. And, and that's, yeah, uh, right. And I think that's, that's the most, that's the most thoughtful thing is to, to think from the, from the perspective of, 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 of the person committing the act and try to figure it out psychologically. And, and that, and that can be interesting in these modern times we have where the idea of allegory and nuance itself seem to be an outmoded concept where it's like, yeah, are, are you, I'm sorry, are you like five years old? Do you not understand right. the concept that this yeah, is a story? Biblical shit. 
right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, fucking take that shit literally, or you're going to take it as an allegory. Then yeah. they're not. They're, you know they're not. They're the people that the people that are going to preach to you are preaching from. Because really, what it is is about power. It's control. Yeah. Yeah. Always. It's always been about fucking. Yeah. Man. Yeah, and that nothing new under the sun there. I mean, that's that's uh, that's been around for a bit, uh, but it's. Yeah. Like yeah, here. <laughs> I, I was gonna say we we could go, we could go down a few a few paths here, and I'm 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 thinking that we're gonna stop there, and we're gonna uh, talk a little more about um, Avenger because I think that's an, that's an interesting record from uh, yeah. Tonomoshi. It, that's my favorite Tonomoshi record. Yeah, I think as far as <clears throat> like overall uh, full presentation, like the the whole everything. I think like that would that's that's going to be the go to. I, I think if I were if someone were to ask me like, hey, I only have time to listen to one record, what would it be? I think that's the one. Uh, Twenty eleven, right? I mean, that's that's a uh, that's uh, that's uh, at that point. When did Totemoshi actually start? I mean, I know you were around like over ten years, right? Ninety seven. Yeah. Ninety seven. Yeah, and that was our last record. Twenty two thousand eleven was our last record, and we we were we were, I was starting to write another one uh and then it just kind of imploded it just kind of we never really officially called it but yeah chris it, moved away and i didn't want to keep going without chris so yeah we, we just that was just it you know but yeah avengers the one that i look to that i'm the most proud of because it's the most realized i think it, it is the most fully realized i think so yeah it's it's like the vision of what you know, obviously, when you when you started, it was it was like, hey, let's figure this out, and then it's like, oh, we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. But then also, there's like, oh, but here's us making a record, a fully realized like, you know, th- these songs are meant to sit next to each other. It's supposed to evoke a certain feeling. It's supposed to, you know, there's there's a vision behind it. I, I think it's the most fully realized Totemoshi record. And yeah. I, I was, I was, I was sad to see that it was the last one at the time, without knowing, of course, anything that would that would come after. Um, I mean, was it literally just that Chris was was like, "Yo, I'm out"? Or it it was a it was a money thing. I, I don't think he was happy in Los Angeles. We we had moved here, and then I immediately left because I didn't have a job. So we moved to L.A. I was supposed to have a job when I moved here. When that was the plan, and and the place that was supposed to open and that I was supposed to manage here in Los Angeles, uh, they ended up losing their ass in 2008 it was 2008 and 2009 it was the big fall or it was the big crash yeah, yeah. the economic crash and then so what happened is is um we were like well fuck it we're still moving because we, we were kind of done with the bay area at that point you know we felt like all our friends were having babies or and the and the and the, and the friends that weren't having babies were just so fucked up on drugs that we didn't want to be around them anymore and so we were just like well you know we're leaving and we want to we want to get away so so we decided we came down here and luckily enough toshi invited me over to a barbecue and, and buzz was there it was just toshi buzz and toshi's girlfriend and uh, uh buzz buzz told me about an apartment that a friend of his had for rent and um he said he would look into it we came back home to the bay area and he called me about a week later and he goes hey you know that that apartment got rented but are you looking for a job because i need a guy to start to tour with us and That's I was right. like, yes, I'm looking for, I need a job. So as <laughs> yes, soon as I, I moved to Los Angeles, I took off with the Melvins and, and basically teching and teching and, and roading for them. And then I ended up having that position for like two, about two years or so, um, maybe a little bit longer. 
Um, but I was gone. So we were never that killed Todi Moshi really in a lot of ways. It just, we, I was just never home and working with the band, which is what I should have been doing. But, um, cause the, the Melvin's thing turned into, you know what it is, is, is it once people see your work ethic out on the road and they see the type of worker that you are, they want, they want to work with you. So then I ended up becoming tour manager for neurosis and then yep. sleep. And then, you know, and then that turned into, to more guitar tech stuff with, with another band and then another band. And then, you know, you end up on the road all the time and you start to lose your, your vision. I mean, hey. people talk like, you know, when you, but in a good way, as well as in bad ways, like, you know, when you're a known commodity and you're like, oh yeah, you know, this dude will get it done. This guy is like, he's going to show up when he's supposed to show up. He's going to do the thing yeah. he's supposed to do, which you wouldn't think would be like that much of a stretch, but you know. No, it's a stretch. It's a stretch. <laughs> in the rock and roll world, it's a rarity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So when you build yourself a reputation that way of being, uh, yeah, dependable and like you know someone that's not a horror show to be around as well you know yeah. <laughs> like it's it's uh yeah work's gonna be get work but you're spending all your time on, on the road and you're not playing yeah so is, is that yes. you know do you reconcile that uh, at, at the time where you were you just like wow it's great to be playing all these places too bad i'm not actually playing like were you thinking about yeah, in the yeah. Back of mind? but but at the same time just like the page thing where like I had to swallow my, my pride. It, it was a learning experience because I, I learned, I mean, apart from getting to see the Melvins every night or getting to see neurosis or sleep yeah. every night. Yeah. It's the worst things in life. Um, <laughs> the worst things in life. So you're, you're, you're learning sonically about, you know, about little things, nuances here and there, but then you also get to see how some of those bands behave professionally and how they, 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 the unit works and how it, it survives on the road and, and, and what keeps them on the road and what keeps them sort of, you know, like, 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 uh, I don't know what keeps the, 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 that, that engine going, man. And it's, yeah. it's, it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see that when, and granted they're not huge bands, you know, they're not, they're not massive yeah. arena bands or anything like that, but they're making a living, you know, they're, they're, they're the working man's, the working man's band, you know, so uh, it was it was really neat to see that, and and it was neat because after all the drummers that we had had in Tony Mushy before before Chris and not 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 I'm not talking about some of them like Tyler or you know but but some of them were were a horror show to be around and and, and, and when when we got on the road it was really hard to be on the road with some of these people because they just didn't they didn't know how to. How to be on the road. To, yeah. I mean, you get on the road and, and it's like, okay, well, now I'm fucking partying 24 seven. It's like, yeah. dude, no, <laughs> did, this is a fucking job. Did, did you, know? you, did you see the, um, why am I doing this? The tour documentary that Eric from the Bismarck made. I haven't. No, you should, you should watch it. You would, uh, there's a whole section about that, which I think is pretty great. And I'm not just saying that because I, I keep forgetting that I'm in it, but like, whatever, a lot of people are in it. Like the, the people that it's, the bands almost don't matter. Right. Like it, it's, but it's people like telling the stories of like, you know, independent touring and like all the, the, the beautiful horror and this, the regular horror that happens as well. And I, I think, I think you dig it. I think, and you'll obviously see a bunch of people, you know, in it as well. Um, yeah. But would you just remind you just remind me of a whole section of yeah like the the band that's like oh, I'm gonna go out I'm gonna pop, it's time for a party like they they bought the almost yeah. famous uh, uh, frame 
of what touring is, which is like, oh, it's it's like a we're an American band we're coming to your town, Party. where it's like, no, you're you're just if 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 you look at like some of your favorite bands, it's like they're doing the work, man. They're just they, yeah. if you do that, then you're gonna play like shit. You're gonna sing like shit, and the show is gonna be shit. Yeah, with rare exceptions, some bands can pull it up. Hey. Well, sure, because some bands, some bands have like roadies and, and, and techs and tour managers and everything that could fucking put it all together for them. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and lots of people don't, you know, so lots of, lots of bands don't have any of that. They, they have just themselves in a fucking van. You exactly. Know? And they have to do everything. They have to do to wear all the hats. So, and when you have to wear all the hats, you know, you got to keep your shit together to wear all the hats. You know, right. you can't be wasted and fucking going to collect, going to collect your fucking guarantee. And, yeah. you know, oh, it's I mean, fine. I guess you can Whatever. Be, it, but, yeah. And then you're going to be you kicking know. yourself the next day when you're like, hey, we're like 40 bucks light. <laughs> well, it's, it's the one job. It's the one job in the world, right, where where people don't even like don't even blink an eye. If, if you get up in the morning and, and you see people get up in the morning, and just crack open a beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I remember. I remember yeah, the was, accounting was, office that might be frowned sleep. on. Yeah. When I was tour managing sleep, um, uh, uh, we went to breakfast at, at one point, and like a bunch of the roadies, like they ordered uh, Bloody Marys. And I was just looking at the table, like going, really? Like, <laughs> like really? Yeah. Like, I mean, and you, these guys aren't in the band, you know? Yeah. It's like, Sorry, my dog is going nuts. They're just soaking up the uh, rock and roll. No, she's uh, trying to bite like... my hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, What's wrong with Bloody Marys, god damn it? <laughs> oh, sweet. This is Matilda. She's from Tijuana. Oh. <laughs> she's an immigrant. She's an immigrant story. <laughs> she's the worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> a a dog and B from south of the border. Yeah. Yep. Uh so what do you think you learned what do you think the most important lessons are with um with with going out with these bigger bands and again, you know, middle class bands, like whatever, however you want sustain like not like bands that have made a living out of being a band and that are operating at a higher level. Like what did, did anything like open up your eyes in in that world as far as misconceptions? Well, specific, specifically, more the Melvins and Neurosis, um, and that they just they just they 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 liked each other. They like each other and they <laughs> yeah. respect each other. Yeah, it's always you know nice. the, the members. The members are very like even keel on the road for the most part. You know, like every other band in the world, like everyone has their days, their moments. You know. Yeah. But it's never it's never like some drastic, some drastic uh, 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 emergency, you know, that needs to be tended to. They're you know, they're they're even keel for the most part. And then and then you know they 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 try to keep expenses down and and try to be very very clear 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 eyed about about their place in the world and what they can afford and what they can't afford. So. I'm always surprised by bands that don't do that, where it's like they get a little money and then they suddenly start spending excessively. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, you don't yeah. need to be like, is, does that make you feel good? Is that like catharsis for you? Because if so, great. But if you want to keep this sustainable, you know, you don't need to. This isn't Brewster's Millions, man. You don't have to spend it all in a limited amount of time frame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to take some home, right? You want to. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dealy. <laughs> that's, a, that's, that's always my move. Because <laughs> there isn't another tour for six more months. Yeah, probably. exactly. Make it count, man. Make it count. <laughs> yeah, you got to make it count. Maybe never again. You never know. So you come, you come back from doing all these touring these other bands, and and Totemoshi is. Do you do you reconcile the Totemoshi is like a done concern, or is it something that, like in your mind that like you're just like, well, I'm not gonna I'm gonna work another show because you did uh, what, uh, last days of ancient sunlight with uh, Fruity, yeah, for like <laughs> two minutes or so, you know. Yeah, that was that was a weird that was a weird. Okay, so that happened like is after after Chris left after Chris left um, and. We thought about keeping Tony Moshi around, and I was just like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, I, and I, honestly, I wanted to move on. I, I wanted to try something different. Um, but uh, yeah, for, so Fer, Ferdy was that actually started with Christian from Foreigner Blows. Christian, Christian, and Ferdy, and me and Meg were going to start a band together. And then um, at one point, Christian was like, you know, I have, I have. I have too much going on with my family, so I can't do it. And so he bowed out. And then it was uh, when Christian bowed out, Meg was like, I'm not doing this with just Freddie. Because, you know, Freddie's a little bit of an alcoholic. And, um, yeah. but I wanted to play music. So, so I, I, and I had, I, had a new, I had a new idea for where I wanted to go songwriting wise. Um, so, so, uh, uh, so I started writing with Freddie, just me and him. And, and we, we ended up writing about four or five songs, very different than Todi Moshi. And I wasn't using the, 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 the weird tuning anymore. And now I was writing like very different. And I was trying, I was starting to try to write with the, the vocal in mind, as opposed to the guitar thing in mind. And then uh, we brought in a bass player that was a friend of Ferdy's. And the bass player just slowly started to sort of divide and conquer between me and Ferdy. Mm. And um, I just kind of called him on it and this is after we left the, after we finished the record, there, there's a full record done of that band. Really? And I think the record is actually really good. Um, but the divide and conquer thing, I'm just not, I'm just not into people manipulating me. And yeah. so I just, I just put it into the band. So I walked away from it. You know, it's, it's a weird thing when you're, when, when you're the person you and, 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 and you're and the drummer are the people literally writing all of the music. And then another guy comes into the band and decides it's his band, you know, decides he's going to be the, the, the alpha and he's going to lead the band in whatever direction. Whereas I, I, I always prefer democracy, you know, like we'll, we'll yeah. just vote on it. Let's, let's, let's have a say and let's, let's each have, each have a vote and, and then we'll figure it out. And yeah, we're all you know, going to be dealing with have this. A vote. No, no, no. And it's like, well, why don't you want to vote about it? Well, because I know how you're going to, you're going to, I know how you feel about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, your opinion's unpopular. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> well then, yeah. That's a shame. Is, um, so, have you, have you kept up with 40 at all? I mean, I know you had that, he had that. Yeah. I seen him. Back. Uh, I seen him just recently. I seen him at, uh, East side rehearsal. He's been nice. coming in and drumming. Oh, fantastic. Um, I had to, I had to kick him out. <laughs> <laughs> Because he got he got wasted drunk uh-huh. and he was peeing all over my floor in the bathroom and I told him I'm like dude you're peeing all over the floor and he's like no it's not me and I go dude there's literally kids here with mothers like this nobody else is drunk nobody's wasted and <laughs> no it wasn't me so like after about the fourth or fifth time that I cleaned literally an entire like puddle full of piss off the ground oh, like I was just shit. like you gotta go. 
Love you. But you got to get the fuck out of here. You can't, you can't be pissing my floors, bro. Sorry. Because <laughs> <laughs> the next time I clean it up, I'm going to be cleaning up with your face. It's not going to be with a mop. Yeah, so yeah. You gotta, that's you that's, gotta, that's you know, uh, wow. So, so he left. But it's very nice to see him whenever I see him. I just love the guy. And he's and – he's, what a drummer. He's a know? fantastic drummer. I mean, that's like 400 yeah. blows – He's a savant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, and and no, um, you you know, like whatever. Like, there's two epochs of Fortner Blows, and they're both fantastic. But to me, one of the reasons why Fortner Blows ever worked in the first place was because of his specific idiosyncratic style yeah. of drumming. And you know what's interesting is that, is that okay? So I got I got a I got a, a look into Ferdy's private little world, which is very very strange. But so he goes into a room and he isn't drumming. So like he has a choice because because I run an aux cable into his phone and he's just got he's he's so he's pumping music through the through the PA. Yeah. So he's doing dance music. So he's sitting in there. <laughs> wow. And then I realized, man, that's what made him such an interesting rock drummer is ah. that that guy was doing like kind of dancey drumming, like these weird dancey kind of lines. Yeah. To this really heavy fucking cool music. Yeah, so you, like you got Christian, music. like, you know, who's just, like, absolutely decimating with the evil riffs with that yeah. going, and then Scott's like, wah, 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 doing, you know, doing his Scott yeah. thing. And, like, yeah, that you're right. You're totally right. Because yeah. it was kind of sort of like, and it would manifest as, like, a head bob kind of situation. But, yeah, yeah. that's totally right. Like, doing Perry diddles and, like, all these yeah. like different things that, like, dan- disco bands do and stuff like that. It's really cool, man. It's cool to see that little world of him, that he's in there just jamming out to dance stuff. And, and and I was like, that's what it is, man. That's that's what's so interesting about him is yeah. that he's co- he was coming from a completely different perspective. And he had told me that in the past. He was like, well, yeah, 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 I used to play the top 10, you know, like, but I didn't really understand what he meant by top 10. And now I see he was like, he's talking about t- top 10 music. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm going to listen to Four No Blows totally differently now, at least this first couple of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's such a cool band, though. No, no and um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it kind of, Kind of a sad story there as well. I mean, it's sort of like, wow, like that's because that's a band that I always felt that was so interesting and unique and iconic. And then, like, then it kind of seemed like, I guess we'll call it version two, kind of was doing doing pretty well. Like, and sort of like people were starting to pay attention, which is like, I did not expect that, but I'm for it because even, um, uh, you know, Scott Scott and, uh, uh, oh god, uh, Scott Martin, yeah, Scott Martin and, um, Kevin, uh, uh, Kevin, uh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. What, you, last name. We all know who we're talking about. That that yeah. that lineup was great too. It was, it was a little different, of course, but like it kind of seemed like they were getting ready for some like next level stuff. Where I'm like, wow, Foreigner Blows can break through to the next level. That's kind of like that's hope yeah. for everybody that plays weird ass music because they're they're like true. they're not. It's true, but I think I think once you have that that combination, once you have that that solid songwriting time. Type of combination like that, that thing going on where yeah. it's like, okay, this is our sound. That's I think that's the hardest thing is, what is your sound? Yeah. Know, what are you going to be? What what is this or what is that? You know, and it anybody here hears ACDC or, or Aerosmith or fucking Leonard Skinner or whatever whatever old classic rock band there ever was, Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith so, before I, Desmond Child. <laughs> the second into a song, you know who it is. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah. oh, that's uh, that's definitely you know so and so exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's and that's 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 a compliment, I, I think. Yeah, you know? absolutely, man. Absolutely. You know, 
so that's Last Days of Ancient Sunlight, and apparently there's a, there's an unreleased record, so that's fantastic. Is that ever going to see the light of the day, or do you just not really no. care? No, no, no. I just see that as a stepping, a stepping, uh, a little, a little, a little step that I that I made in my in, in my personal songwriting uh, 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 journey, you know. And I, I see that as is like the next step towards all souls, like one of the next steps. That and Alma Sangre was happening at the exact same time. So I was doing, we were doing the Alma Sangre thing where it was like that, that like I was said, it was a ranchero flamenco type of thing. Yeah. Singing in Spanish. And then I was doing Last Days of Ancient Sunlight. There were days where I had two rehearsals at the same, on the same night. So I would go to, to uh, uh, straight from work, be at rehearsal at, at 5.30 or 6 o'clock at, for, for uh, Last Days of Ancient Sunlight, come home, and then we'd have rehearsal here in the back of the house for, for Alma Sangre. So I was just continuing to work as a musician, working my ass off, granted. But that's just, luckily enough, that's my work ethic from growing up the way that I grew up. Um, But yeah, that was, it was part of the realization of of where I wanted All Souls to be. And and I brought that personally into All Souls. Everybody else brought their own thing to All Souls, you know. But that was part of what I brought in. Well, All Souls is such an interesting band, too, because everybody in the band, especially when it started, was like, okay, these are all rad players from other rad bands, but now they're, you know, Voltroning up to to do this cool, unique thing over here. How did that all come to pass? Like, I mean, I think you guys you guys used to play with Fatso Jetson. Is that a, you know, Tony? Yeah, we knew Tony from a long fucking time ago. Like, I think we met Tony when they opened for Caius. I Was that a Caius or Queens of the Stone Age? I thought it was Queens of the Stone Age at the bottom of the hill. Like, back in 2000 something and um i actually talked to mario that night and mario was super super nice mario lali yeah and and i wanted to buy that they had a cassette for sale and they they just ran out and he gave me a poster he was like super nice hey man you know and i go i go yeah uh uh what what do you do and i was like oh i'm in a band called tody moshi and this and that and he and he was like he's like you know what write me a letter man send me your art because i told him I, i drew as well which i do and he's like Okay, so I was like, sure, man. So I, I took down his address and I wrote him a letter because nice. I was I, I became a fan of Fatso Jetson. Yeah, and I literally wrote Mario a letter and and he wrote me back, and um, I sent him a letter with artwork and stuff in it, and uh, and then we started playing shows with Fatso Jetson, and then we uh, we became friends, and forever I was like, man, that that drummer is so goddamn good. He but he was like. I mean, in Fatso Jetson, he's good in a John Bonham sort of sense. Like he's very in the pocket. Yeah. He's, you know, I mean, his 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 everything he does in that band is so great. And uh, so when we moved to Los Angeles, I was talking with Tony for a long time, and and we kept planning on starting a band. And like, what are we gonna do? We're gonna do this guy. Oh, let's do this guy. This guy. We're staffing it before we even figure people out. <laughs> right. Yeah. And no, the music. You know, for the longest yeah. time, like I would go, I, we would meet and like hang out. Oh, we're gonna do a band, and then I would take off on tour to do whatever I was tour managing or whatever I was doing. And, um, and then at one point, Eric Trammell, cause he had moved to Texas, moved back to Los Angeles and, um, contacted me and I hooked him up with a friend of mine who, who had, who needed a, a roommate. And then, um, uh, we're like, Eric was like, Hey, let's just, let's start writing music. I was like, okay. So we just sat and we wrote like, I think the beginning of like three songs and it, it was really good. And I sent them to, to Tony and I was like, Hey man, you should be a part of this. And, and he was like, yes. 
and you know when uh, bass player of course i'm going to meg <laughs> well, well why wouldn't you, you yeah know? i mean she, a she's a badass b you know her yeah. pretty well <laughs> fucking awesome and i know her work ethic too her yeah. work ethic is 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 akin to mine <laughs> so i know there, that i'm not going to get some some fucking tool that like pretends <laughs> like he's going to work and will show up to practice not rehearsed and not ready to go yeah. you know with meg i know exactly what i'm going to get i'm going to get somebody that works their ass off and that is incredibly talented and and good looking to boot yeah so. <laughs> I'm glad. it's so. more appropriate that you said it than i say it but yeah <laughs> did you did, so yeah man. did you just know from the from the beginning you were like okay this is rad this is this is this is something special the, yeah i i it, it sounded really magical like just the, just the, just me and him writing together because we're such different guitar players you know he was like and, and, and he's such a, he has such a prowess as a guitar player that I just wanted to be a singer. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to be a singer. And then I'm going to write my guitar parts later on and then play my guitar parts to, to accompany him. So, and, and, and then, but you know, what it ended up turning into is, is I would pick his parts out that I loved and then I would, I would frame it. And I think that's sort of still what we do to this day is like, I'll take it home and I'll frame it, but that's because I, I sing. You know, I'm the singer of the band. Right, and you got to so figure I, out where I, the, the words are going to go. And as you mentioned, it's not all yeah. riffs, right? So, yeah. So, um, you know, that, that's that's one of the accoutrements of of me being the singer is that I get to decide where it's going to go sonically as far as the the chord changes for the for the vocal melodies. You know, and then that 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 for the most part structures the song, and then we all get together and then we add this or add that or or take away this or take away that. You know, and that's a very democratic way of doing it. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, li- literally like, okay, so that me and Eric started writing, Tony decides, yes, I want to be a part of this. Meg decides, yes, I want to be a part of this. And then the four of us sat at a table, like we hadn't even played yet together. We just oh, wow. listened to the little things that me and Eric had done. And wow. then we sat at a table and we're like, okay, here's what we want to do. What do you think if we do this? And then we started writing things down, bands that we want to sound like ideas that we want to get to artistically literally framed it out before we ever actually like went to rehearse and it was fucking awesome it was because it was so like focused you yeah know? focus is, is the right word for sure and, and that's something that you know i was just it, it seems like every time i would be in sound of sirens working like There'd be new All Souls stuff, or All Souls are coming in. Oh, All Souls are coming in. Finish that. Like you guys were just constantly like at it, and, yeah. and, and working. And, and we still so, are. We still are. We have a full record ready right now. We're just not sure where, where we're going to record or how we're going to record it yet. That's awesome. Well, but it's it's, you know, I'm always a fan, as are people that listen to the show of folks that have the sort of late late period renaissances that in creativity where they're able to kind of dig deeper and find something or like find the right people to uh, articulate the vision or yeah. whatever. Like it, it's, it's a nice <clears throat> thing, you know, it, it's a nice thing to, to, to continue to do good work and even improve upon it rather than just, you know, play the hits. Not that there's anything wrong with ever having a hit. Don't get me wrong. I'll... <laughs> <laughs> I'll play any hit people first. think, you know, like whatever. It's fine. I don't care. Like it's, it's great. I'm still waiting on my first taking care of business. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would, lo- I would love day. to have a taking care of business. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a modern equivalent of uh, we're an American band or something. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. I know that I wouldn't be able to allow myself to put, you know, anything that fucking 
goofy. Be, I always think about like, what if you were stuck playing the song every night for the next twenty years? And I'm like, I'm fine with that. It's good. Pays the bills. It's good, man. I'm 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 okay with that. I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> I'm cool with it too. No, no, nothing leaves the leaves the At nest that doesn't the have song. that. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's something Elvis can't say. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> although, although I have a theory that maybe you know, considering some of the songwriting that's happening now, maybe like the era of like you don't necessarily write your own songs. Eh, that's okay. Nobody, yeah. you're not the Beatles, kid. It's no, right. it's true, man. I mean, there was <laughs> definitely a a time where real songwriters wrote songs for people, and yeah. It was a hell of a lot better than what we have now. Chuck Barris, man. Chuck Barris wrote uh, uh, at least one like a hit way before he was even on the Gong Show or a CIA agent. Oh yeah, it was. Um... Oh god. All right. This this is gonna turn into rock dudes googling shit. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um... Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I forgot. I totally forgot about Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. That's kind of a big deal too. Let's see. Let's see what what the fuck was it? Everybody listening to this show is like screaming at their like listening device right now. Like you fucking asshole! It's this. <laughs> um, oh, Christ, come on! What is it? No, I know he was in fucking Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. God damn it! Chuck, first <laughs> the first one that comes up is Chuck Barris Hitman. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what I thought he was most famous for. Is for his, his uh, work as a hitman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so so uh, Palisades Park is uh, Freddie Cannon did that one. Um, let's see. Yeah, I think that's a big one. I think it's Palisades Park, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think Palisades Park. He wrote Palisades Park. Okay, so there you go. That was not worth all of the build up for that. Sorry, but that was before he ever did like the Gong Show or anything along those lines, which I think is hilarious because it's sort of like that's when like, hey, I want to make some money. I'm gonna write a song. <laughs> you think anyone does that now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that ought to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'll write a song. That that'll that'll give me a fortune. <laughs> Those are the days where maybe it was possible. Yeah, exactly. Before yeah. Spotify and all that shit. So All Souls spins up. You know, you got something special. You got something cool. You're you're putting together. Uh, I, I know you did some singles before the the record came out. The first one's self titled, I think, right? It's it's just it's just called yeah. All Souls, right? Uh, the black and white one I'm talking about. Um, that's uh, like 2018, somewhere along those lines. Like uh, it was 2017, yeah, maybe. I think so. <laughs> like I said, I'm really bad with dates. <laughs> Years just passed by. And then it, and then it kind of just seemed like. What I would characterize it as like years and years, decades of 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 working in in the salt mines of being a band, we're we're finally starting to like pay off because suddenly you guys were like like you were like almost like the go to support band for like rad shit, at least within my own personal purview and and tastes, that is. Um, so you're exposed to a whole new world of audience for your music, not just going on tour with like bigger bands. Not that like you'd obviously Toto Moshi did shows with helmet. It's not like you guys didn't have other opportunities, but like yeah. kind of a sustained momentum of being the band that is in the way of people to see their favorite band. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of it was an accident. Like, like, like for example, the, the Melvin's tour we did, we were only supposed to do like three or four shows on that tour or maybe, Oh, we were supposed to do three or four shows on the way up to the East Coast, and then 
meet them in like Oklahoma City and then come back from Oklahoma City with them. So we weren't even supposed to do like the meat of that tour, which was supposed to go to uh, Spencer, John Spencer's new band, but apparently somebody got sick in their band and had to bow out. So as we literally were about to start the tour, literally days before that tour was supposed to start, we were suddenly invited to do the entire thing. And us being who we were, yeah. because we're fucking maniacs, like, yeah, we'll do the entire thing. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Absolutely. We're not going to not do it. So, yeah, man. So, so we ended up doing the entire Melvin's tour. And then the other stuff with like the Red Fang stuff, that's because we're friends from those guys. That's just from being around forever. The Last of the Juanitas, I always the, the, Well, the I, Jesus I Lizard one is because, I don't know how that happened. I think, well, Eric's Eric's really good friends with, with David, and we are too. Black actually. Elk played some shows with the first yeah, Jesus Lizard reunion, I think, if I remember and, right. And Eric actually tour managed them, I think. That's right, right. that's right, yeah, yeah. Um, the tool stuff, we have no idea how that happened. And, and the, the last thing we heard is that Maynard actually picked us. Really? It's weird when we never met Maynard. I've, I've met Danny before. Super sweet. He came to one of your shows uh, on the Melvin store, if I remember right, right? That's Adam, Adam I, I knew a little bit from the Melvins when I was working for the Melvins because he would tour with them. But, yeah, they came out to a Cleveland show. They were in town doing something with the um, – with the uh, the – what is it? The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and um, I've heard of it. And they were at the show, and and Adam Adam actually took me aside and said he really liked the set, and it said it was really beautiful. And I was like, okay, yeah, thanks, Adam. And he's like, no, no, and he like brought me in, and he was like, no, I really, really liked it. It was really wonderful, or something That's like that. Awesome. Can't remember exactly what he said, but he was really nice. You know, it was really sweet. But and then we. Uh, uh, yeah, so we 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 and we weren't the first. Once again, we weren't the first band picked for those tour tour dates. Um, uh, oh, Meg just right. Um, we weren't the first ones picked for those tool dates. Um, there were other bands picked, like two other bands, and they had to bow out. They couldn't do it, so we ended up doing it because we're always like, yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, available and reliable. <laughs> Always available. <laughs> There's something to be said for that, man. We'll come to you. Yeah, yeah. Where is it? We're there. <laughs> Ten minutes? Yes. Yep, you got All it. Right. All right. We'll get in the car now, then we can be tr- you know. Anyways, we're rehearsed. We're rehearsed and we're ready to go. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So why not? So that's and and the and the tool shows are like that that's a different level than the, the, yeah, the, the oh, everything else, right? Yeah. That's a different world. And I, I've heard a little bit of this from, uh, I think Jared and Cody when they were on the show, or maybe just like as dudes. I don't remember, but like that's a different world. That's like an entirely different experience. What what was the first? What, what was your first impression versus lasting impressions of uh, your foray souls into uh, that world of arena rock? Weirdly. It's a different world, but it's not that different in that when you're on stage, it's the same small bit of stage that you're going to be taking up anyways, right? Because like you, you play small places and you play crunched in and you do the same thing in a giant out of like one of their arenas. Um, the production is massive. That's that's different. The production is is insane. The amount of people that they have working for them is that's a fucking lot of people, man. Yeah. And and, and the, the the amount of trucks that are rolling in, they're building the stage, they're tearing the stage down every single night. It took me three or four shows, and I stupidly told I was like Mick, I told Meg I was like, 
you know, it's weird. I feel like this stage, like it's just, it's so, it's such, it's so like, it, I feel like it's almost the same stage. Like every day it, it feels so like I know it. And, and she's like, it is the same stage, you dumbass. Like, didn't you see the trucks pulling in? They sit they take it down every night. They yeah, they it. set it up and they tear it down. It's, it's actually the same <laughs> stage. Yeah. <laughs> it was the same in that the musicians we're the nicest people in the world and we got to hang out with them like every single night yeah. for the most part. Like maybe not so much Maynard cause he was kind of off on his own, but Danny, Justin and Adam, like we hung out with them all the time and they were like super, super sweet, fun to be around. And it was just like being on a, on a Melvin tour, Jesus lizard tour, but we were all in a room together and just laughing and having fun or telling stories or getting to know each other a little bit. And that what makes it the same to me is the musical, the tiny little microcosms of what the reason we're there is, is that we're musicians and that we just love this one thing. We just happen to all of this thing, yeah. you know, and the conversations that I had with Danny about, I didn't know that he was in a band with Jeff Bugley. Did you know this? Was, what? Yeah. So no. I heard rumor that he was in a band with Jeff Bugley early on. And I asked him about this and he's like, yeah, I was in a band with that little fucker, man, but he didn't <laughs> tell me he could sing. And, and, and he goes, he goes, you want to hear it? <laughs> I was like, do I want to hear it? Yes. Yeah, it. He pulls out. <laughs> Fucking ain't right, I do. Phone and he has it in there. Whoa. He's the only person in the world that has this demo that Jeff made for him. So Buckley, as he was leaving Los Angeles, apparently, I think this is the story that he told me. I hope I'm not wrong. But he told me he, Buckley had just gotten out of Guitar Institute of Technology, GIT here, and, and was jamming with him, but only jamming guitar. And never like attempted to sing or anything. And I guess Danny made him like some drum stuff. And uh, as he was leaving for New York, he gave Danny the tape. He goes, "Oh, by the way, here's the thing that you, you did the drums for." And um, he, it's the first time that Danny heard him sing. And he was oh, like, cool. "Man, if, if I knew that little fucker could sing like that, <laughs> no like, joke, right? <laughs> yeah, no like, joke, man." <laughs> <laughs> so I listened to it. I listened to. I mean, there was some. There were songs off of Grace on it. And but, but, but was stuff wow. where he was like doing stuff from Grace, and he was just but he was jamming the fucking shit out of out of stuff more. Yeah, um, it was really fucking cool, man. And that's that was one of those musical moments where, where like I would talk to you know we would just have discussions about that or like Max Roach or you know Billy Cobham or or just talking about our love for our our art and our you know what what we chose to do in life. So, I mean, it, 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 I guess, yeah, it's different in production and it's different in the size of the grandiose things, you know, the, the, the amount of people and the lighting and the, 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 pirate, the, the, the videos and all that shit, you know, but at the, at the core of it, it's all, it's all the same thing. It's all just people who love music being around each other and doing what they love. Did you find that their crowd was open-minded to what you're doing? They seemed very receptive. I mean, we, we, we got, we got standing ovations literally every, after every single set, like people would stand up and, you know, I mean, I, what you read online afterward isn't, isn't as nice, but, <laughs> <laughs> but those are the, always the douchey fuckers that stand, that, 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 that are on the online warriors, you know, afterwards or those are fucking douchebags well, anyway. And there's always going to be the people you just can't win with that. Like I said, it's, I was yeah. characterized it as you're in the way of their favorite band. You know, yeah, or no it way you're gonna win. Stage, you know, yeah, because so special. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, God forbid you're on a stage. I mean, they, they don't know the amount of work that you fucking no. do. Like nobody, nobody knows. When you're on stage, they just see you on stage for 45 minutes. They don't know the lifetime that you've spent. 
Right. You know, the little things that you slave in your craft and you fucking do this and you do that. And I mean, nuances that you throw in. man, I'm yeah. even to the point of like now, <laughs> if I see a band I hate, if they're a working band, I'm just like, Ugh, not for me. Yeah, that that's yeah. the worst you'll get out yeah. of it for me. Because I'm like, I, what a man do? Like, take a dump on it. Like, I know that these people, hopefully, you know, believe in every fiber of their being and what they're doing, and have spent, you know, s- you know, sacrificed and spent so much energy and time to do the thing that they're doing that it's not for me. And at least they had the balls to stand up on a stage and do yeah. it. Absolutely, you know? good for them. Good, you know, but it's yeah. like. Am I going to listen to it? No, but I'm not going to like take the time to dump on it. I mean, Jesus. same here. Really? I mean, I do. I, I don't even go to rock shows hardly anymore. I mostly go to see classical music. Like I'll go see, I'll, I'll, I'll go see like the, 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 the LA Phil, or, mm. you know, like that's the funnest thing for me to do. We, we did a tour with Fatso Jetson in, in England and uh, we went up to, we, 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 we did all that. We did the UK to do Scotland and then back and we finished it. Um, uh, finished in London and then and then we had we got dropped off at Gatwick and uh, me and Meg threw all of our stuff in a locker and um, jumped on a on a little on a little uh, a Euro flight and went to Prague for for like a week and I had bought a bunch I had bought a ticket to a, a recital in a 12th century church and I knew it was going to be cool man but that's I didn't awesome. realize it was going to be that cool yeah that that's it was amazing it was cool. It was like I guess this church had been used as a backdrop for Amadeus for the music, the movie Amadeus. Really, That's I didn't wild. know that until I got there. And, oh, wow. and and you know, it was just it's just it's it's uh, it, I I start crying, you know, when I hear music like that. It just moves me to to no end. It's uh, do you find that your relationship with music in general has changed over the years? No. No, only only in that I was when I was a child. Um, I I had to endure uh, uh, a little, uh, quite a bit of of, of uh, uh, abuse. Um, music affected me in such a way that it it allowed me to create a little world, and and I still have that little world, and I, I still crawl into it. It's still when I was a kid, I would cry listening to to my Mickey Mouse turntable listening to, to Beach Boys or something like that. And it still moves me to that end. And I think I'm lucky. I think, I think that forever I assumed that most people in the world were like that, like, like me and that they would be able to hear a song in their head or, 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 or be touched the way that I feel that I'm touched by music. But I don't think that's the case. And I don't think, I think that that's, that that's been mine since I was a child and I think that that was something that was created to protect me from whatever mental and physical stuff that was going on in the outside universe, and it's a gift. And uh, I've, I've, I, I continue to see it as that. I continue to see it as is is my gift from the universe to to deal with life. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. I think that's a good way of looking at it for sure. Uh, this this is gonna be an awkward segue, but. The rig rundown that you did was like one of the, <laughs> the bright moments for me of uh, COVID times. Of just like, oh fuck yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how first of all, that seemed pretty awesome. Was that awesome? And B, how did that all come to pass? Like, what what, what was that process like? It was awesome because we're like like I think you and me are the same way, and that we're fucking guitar geeks. Yeah, you know, we're total <laughs> gear geeks. 
and I, I've, I've watched that. I've watched them. A, yeah, how many of those have you seen? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, wait, wait, rewind it, rewind it. What does he have there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know how that came to be. We we had we had a, a PR guy when we put when we um, put uh, songs for the end of the world out, mm-hmm. um, Dave, um, and he he uh, put out like a mass mailer or something like that, and and the guy from Premier Guitar. Uh, got in touch with him and was like, I've been looking for him. <laughs> so he, he, um, he contacted him, he contacted Dave and then Dave set it up. And, and then I didn't know what to talk about. I was like, God damn it. I don't know what I'm going to say. And I had all my, yeah. all my guitars behind me and stuff. And, and as soon as we started, I was like, I had a million things to say. Yeah. Yeah. You think you're <laughs> like not going to talk about yeah. this stuff all day and all night. Like this is what I love to do, you know? Well, and it's it, it was cool because it ran it ran the balance of uh, <laughs> you know the functional utilitarian stuff like to me is just as awesome as like oh here's this boutique thing that like whatever it's like no like you know this this is this is good it doesn't break it does the thing it's supposed to do you know <laughs> like that yeah. like level. I mean because you know what's funny is the premier guitar stuff oftentimes like the most the ones that I've watched in the past they've always been these giant touring bands with yeah roadie doing it now the roadies doing the doing the guitar thing or or you know but yeah man i mean i mean that at least like now it's cool that now they're doing the perspective of the working class musician yeah that seems to be a new develop and i'm really into that i think that's a really cool and and natural aesthetic right especially like as we get into you do you do this because this works in the van and this doesn't work in the van right so you gotta (laughs) figure out what's gonna fit in the van dude and then you gotta figure out what's gonna fit in a suitcase because if you go overseas yeah man you you know otherwise you gotta pay another 400 euros when you come back yeah for another yeah so you want some (laughs) some fancy ass 90 pound effects unit well you ain't gonna get that on the on the airplane, buddy. Good luck. This is a soldering iron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, Lord help you if anything breaks. I uh, had James Woodard from the Grasshopper Lies Heavy on. You know, he's talking about when they played Japan and like he got super into the sh- the show and he, he had he has a EGC guitar and he and he like threw it into like the rafters and it snapped off one of the tuning pegs, oh, which is like bro. the only thing you can break on those. So he's like running around Japan trying to. Find replacement duty pegs for an EGC, <laughs> which oh, is no. which is both awesome and like that sounds terrible at the same time. <laughs> yeah, you know when the Melvins did, did the Melvins did a Japan Japanese tour and I was checking for them. Um, well, they did Australia. That was that was the earthquake. The, 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 the Christchurch one, right? The uh, the one the yeah. yeah. There was a seven point five in Christchurch and there was a nine something in Tokyo when we were there. So we were in two giant fucking earthquakes. But right before we left, Buzz was like. So is there anything I need to pick up? Like, what do you think? Like, like as far as guitar stuff? And I go, oh, can you get some tuners? Yeah. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. So he got some. And the day we got to Japan, the fucking, the, one of the tuners was completely snapped off. So luckily I had them right there. I'm like, perfect. Changed oh, it up. That, that's Boom, smart, man. That's, that's a, I'm, I'm, I'm making notes, dude. That's, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's really smart. <laughs> Well, because I'd seen I'd seen I'd seen them do that to Pike's guitar, like when I was yeah. touring with Sleeve. So I was like, "Yeah, we should get some of those." They didn't even need to meet in Japan, by the way. Like that, those that Japanese crew, holy shit, dude! They, the first day, they kind of had stuff set up, and then and then I was like, "No, no, no, no!" And I I changed thing, and they're like, "Oh!" And then they start taking pictures of everything. Yeah. The next day, everything was perfectly <laughs> in place, and then when the show was over, they'd like take everything down. I was right. just like, these are the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life. 
like the doozers or something from Fraggle Rock, where they're just like going to work yeah. and building the thing. It was so different than, than than Australia and New Zealand, where the crews were super lazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being in Italy. What what was so what was the experience of being in those earthquakes like? I mean, that's those are some big earthquakes, it was, dude. It was it was bad. It was like a what well, wasn't? I mean, it's not gonna be good. But um, <laughs> uh, that earthquake, it was fantastic. Five stars. I grew up in California, man. Like so, like I grew up with the, around a bunch of earthquakes. Yeah. And granted, yeah, my heart was beating, and I was like, but I, I think that me and Jared were the only two that were sort of like standing back and kind of looking around and just seeing, like, uh, I don't know what was going through his mind. Obviously, we never talked about it, but I was, I was just standing back and just kind of looking around. But the first one, so it was like an explosion, boom, and like all these people are running, yeah. and I just see Buzz's hair, like. <laughs> <laughs> You can laughing. spot him in a crowd. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I went, bitch, don't fail me now. And uh, I don't know why Blazing Saddle popped into my head right there. <laughs> and then we were like stranded. So we ended up at the airport for hours and then got a couple cars and were able to all fucking pile in. And I said, oh, that's on high on fire. And then we made it all the way to the other side of New Zealand and took a ferry over and did this. It was supposed to be our day off, but didn't didn't miss a beat and they didn't miss shows. And then, but the Japan one, uh, the Tokyo one, they had just finished sound uh, uh, checking, and um, that one was slow. It was just like boom, 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 and all of a sudden it's just like yeah, yeah. And I I walked off stage and stood at a door. But the thing is, like every time I get to a venue, I always take off to go for a walk, especially when I was roading and teching and stuff. Yeah. Um, Take and, the time uh, to stretch your uh, legs, get a little. Knew that all the doors were, were locked. They had chains on them, and they were fucking padlocked. And I, and I so I seen Buzz and, and and Dale and Cody like going this way, and then Dave, and then going that way. And I'm like, no, that door's locked. That door's locked. And then they're going this way. And then they're, they're coming towards me. And then they go past me. And then they go past me this way. And uh, I was just like, where are you guys running to? And at this point, I looked over and I seen Jared. Once again, the, just so just like me was standing there, kind of looking around. Except this time, he had a camera. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the footage. So I have no idea what he videoed. Wow, but, that's wild. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was stressful. It was bad. I mean, it was like after it goes on for about a minute. I think that's when you start to go. Well, I might not make it through this. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> That's that's no, harrowing. That's where you're like, uh, hmm, okay. When you can't get out of the building. Like every fucking door is padlocked. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, yeah, this could be my tomb. Yeah, it seems like there should be maybe laws that that is not a thing that can happen. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. different there. Yeah, that that yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's well. plenty of laws everywhere. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Way, doesn't mean anyone's gonna follow it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, we have laws in the United States that uh, uh, apparently make a coup illegal, but no one's doing anything about that. <laughs> My favorite reaction to that was, big deal. Yeah, yeah, the Confederate what flag about? was flown in the fucking seat of power of America for the first time ever. Big fucking yeah. deal, Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm just like, you should probably stop talking it's, right now, you know? It's just freedom. It's, it's just freedom, man. We go problem against freedom? Yeah. yeah. Hey, dude, I would have staged a coup, like, years ago if I thought it would just be a slap on the wrist. You kidding me? Right. Sounds fun. Yeah, right. Let's go. <laughs> Let's fuck Sounds it up. like a blast. 
Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> Sounds like a rock and roll tour. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, we had a DC stop anyway. Let's do it. Stage a coup. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get too political on it or anything, but I mean, no, that, that, no, it just no. blows my mind of what is like what people do and do not consider a big deal. Where it's like, yeah, that's not a big deal, huh? All right. Yeah. I think well, it's kind think, of a big think, deal. It's called sedition, and you that, get hanged for it. So, you know, it's a big deal, but, yeah. I, I think we need to start teaching real civics in school, like actual real physics. <sighs> Critical thinking, not too. Not civics, not physics. Civics. Well, you should teach <laughs> physics, too, but... <laughs> physics as well, sure. <laughs> physics is actually... I think there should be... All right. Well, actually, I feel that... Uh, <laughs> rather than attempting to teach advanced mathematics, which is really not that useful for folks that aren't going to also teach advanced mathematics or be rocket scientists or something, I actually think that they should put a stronger focus on sciences like physics, which actually would help people understand the world around them. So, all right, off the sure. soapbox now. But, like... More than anything, critical thinking would be good. But nobody wants that. That's not why people are sent to school. It's the last thing they want is people thinking critically. You want to be soft and compliant. It's easier to control that way. You just dose every kid with psilocybin. And <laughs> <laughs> it's probably happening anyway. I mean, come on. Just take one. <laughs> so, okay. So, we and we only... I, I, so, all right. So, so, you have the first All Souls record. You have what you learn from... You know, playing all these shows, bringing the, these songs to the peoples, uh, and then what what do you take from that as like a band that kind of finds its voice, like find, finds its voice, find what you do, where you want to push, where you want to try next. Like, what did you have any epiphanies about it? Was it all just very much like in the river of what you were doing? It was. It was a. It was a. It, there was a time of um, uh, figuring out everyone's role in the band. Um, but I think that that got figured out very quickly, you know, cause I think that, I think that we were all, we had all done this a million times yeah. and, and, and everybody just kind of was like, okay, who's going to do leads? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Oh, and sure. Yeah. It, it became very, I mean, it, for me, it was obvious, like who was going to do lead. It was going to be Eric, you know, and unless there was like something that was going to be more of like a, um, a psychedelic kind of weird offbeat, you know, a weird lead than the aisle. I would do it, you know, but, um, but yeah, and then, and then, you know, obviously like it, it, that, that dynamic was figured out very quickly. And then it was, then it was all, all cake after that. And it's still cake. <laughs> no, Started off as cake, still cake, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate, vanilla. It's all cherry, cake. <laughs> So then, all right. Yeah, so, so, so then, tell me about what. So you come in a little more informed for the stuff that ends up in songs for the end of the world, right? Like you, you know, like every, you know the the roles that like everyone's yeah. doing their best at. You've you've taken what you learned from earlier and you kind of and try it some different ways. Did you have anything specifically you tried in that record that you were like, oh wow, let's try this crazy thing? Or was it more just like, no, this is the thing we do and we're going to like push this way and that way. Was it pretty well? Yeah. Yeah. There were things that, like, like on, you just can't win. Um, where I used a lot of flamenco stuff that I had done before. Right. Um, you know, in, in the bridge, there's, there's a bridge that goes, it goes here and then it goes even deeper and then it goes into this like sort of, and that was a thing that I did on Avenger 
with Toti Moshi. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This kind of fucked up, like weird rhythmic thing that takes you away from the, the from the from the movement for a second, and then it brings you back into it. It's like an aside. It's like a, it's, it's almost like a. Uh, it's like a to me like 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 it's it's like it's like you're, the way your imagination works when you're walking down the street, and it's kind of like James Joyce or something like that, where you're like walking and there's all these different things that are coming into your brain, and all of a sudden one thing will take you, and then you'll go off on a journey, and then you'll come back. Yeah, and you'll come back to the to the reality that you're at, and I love that sort of thing in songwriting as well, where where you, I don't want it to be a three minute in and out. You know, I don't, and a, and and a couple of us have, a couple of people in the band have mentioned like, yeah, we need a three three minute in and out or a quick rock this or rock that. I don't want to fucking do that. I want I want a fucking epic journey like every goddamn time. Sabbath did that. You know, yeah. like my favorite bands in the world did that. Radiohead did that. Those are the that's the shit that I want to do. I want to do stuff that just goes and goes and goes like a like a Bach piece or like fucking, you know, like like. Chopin or something like that, where it's not going to, it's not going to end, you know, after just a second, I, I don't want to play privy to people's lack of, of, of imagination. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like they just, they just, they're, 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 people are accustomed to this very like quick hit, you know, Facebook or whatever the fuck, you know, like get the point and then don't really read into it and don't really know the deepness of something else, like whatever they're getting into. Like I want to, I want to explore the entire fucking thing, you know. I well, mean, you should pay the song that much respect. Uh, certainly, yeah. I mean, just to play devil's advocate, though, you know, Black Sabbath did have you know your paranoids and and whatnot, and Radiohead did yeah. have your high and dries and your Karma Police and whatnot. So it's you can do both, but I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Uh, and we did, we did, we did a couple three minute songs. Yeah, it's not like you guys. Yeah, it's not like everything's a magnum opus, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Like you have, you have, you have some quick bangers that are. They do, they do, and what's exciting is that the songs do the thing that they're meant to do, which yeah. may be more esoteric or bizarre, but they do it. They still do it in like a in a shorter time span, and and that's something that um, I don't know whether I call it restraint or what, but it, it definitely is something that kind of seems to come from people that have been around the block for a little bit, like where you like know. Yeah. What does and does usually when we have a three minute song though that means that I lost the argument. <laughs> <laughs> you want to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> that means that I've completely it was all, nope. Three to one. Nope. <laughs> so what do you? So what do you do if there's a tie? If it's a democracy, who wins the tie? Uh, who's the tiebreaker? Bring the dog in? Like what? Who's who's winning that tie? I think that usually there's somebody that breaks that tie. I think like you know, there's always something. It's funny. And there's been arguments in there, like believe me, it's usually me. You know, <laughs> it's, in, who's but... willing to die on the hill? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we aren't doing that. Or yes, we are. Yes, we are. But I'll give in. And everyone's like, oh my god, whatever, shut up, fine. We'll do it. Especially if it's like two or three of them. Like, like especially if it's two, going no, yeah. we shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's like oh, fine. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I will have my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, and uh, and this has been rad, man. I, I'm I'm super glad to be doing this. I, I just, if you can just briefly, I know you guys have new stuff recorded. Uh, what's what's the timeline on that? Where's like when can people be looking for that and expecting that? Uh, hopefully by next year. Um, we we have it all finished. Now it's just a matter of where and how we're going to record it and with who. And. Um, and that will we will know very soon. Actually, we have something in the works, possibly for that. Fantastic. So, um, 
uh, what's the next album is going to be called Ghosts Among Us. And the lyrics are almost all fully written. And yeah, that's going to be the next thing soon. Well, I'm, I'm glad for you guys. By the, by the time there's touring again, by the way. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad, like I said, it's, I'm always pleasantly um, ple- pleased. Pleasantly pleased? Sure. I'm always pleased to hear of you guys' relentless work ethic and the fact that uh, you, you work at the and, and also, you know, the results are good, too, so that's always nice. Because yes. you, you can work all you want. If the results suck, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like, that sounds like a German a German uh, uh, assessment of a show. <laughs> you work hard, but the results bad. are insignificant. <laughs> oh, You're a very good guitar player, but I'll, I'll take one of each. Song. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the guy. The 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 Teutonic. The Teutonic diss, and then buying everything at the merch table. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, money spends. Okay. Uh, so last thing, uh, Tony, this is a the only can question I ever ask, and if you've, you can choose to interpret this however you like, but why do you do what you do? Uh, I really don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> I think eventually I will figure that out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no choice. I never had a choice. <laughs> Tony, thank you so much, man. It's been great having you on. Thanks, Conan. Appreciate it, man. Until next time. Okay. Best to Meg. Thank you, man. Bye. There it goes. Tony Aguilar. Cool guy. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was great. I like uh, I like Old Souls quite a bit. I like Tomoshi quite a bit. Highly recommended to uh, check out, well, check out both those bands. You don't need to limit yourself, right? Let's listen to an All Souls song right now. Let's do, uh, this is Never Know.
never know. By All Souls. Features Mr. Tony Aguilar. My guest for tonight's episode of Code Neutron's Proton Reversal. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, AllSoulsBand.BandCamp.com. That is off of the record, the self-titled record that came out in 20, it's 2018, and it's the second song in. Good one. Good record. Also, check out Ted Emoshi. You can find, I think there's like three of the records on uh, Spotify and all that biz. Hey, name of this show is Conan Neutron's Proton Conversal. Thank you so very much for listening to it. It's always appreciated. Show airs live. Live, baby. 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, on Thursdays on Radio Nope. RadioNope.com. Of course, you can find archives of the show. Always free. No ads on sponsors, no kidding. RotonicReversal.com. If you like the show, want to support it, and want to get episodes of the show sooner. One dollar a month at patreon.com slash Reversal. We'll achieve that goal for you. Thanks to everyone who shares the show around. Likes. Subscribes. All that business. Uh, yeah, we're on YouTube as well. All the other places. Uh, reviews, all that stuff. It all helps. Thank you. And I was able to find the show. Bunch of good stuff coming up. And as always, thanks for listening. And also, as always, stay safe. Can you hear me now? Out on Route 128, you're dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? Broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. See?